Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast, middle of October. Holy smokes. It's uh, it's actually on the back half of October, and it's kind of hard to believe. We're in full swing of just about every sport now. Um, football and baseball are consuming, you know, my, my viewership. You know, that's what's on my television every night, and we just got done with week six of the NFL, and it was... Pretty much this time last week, after I recorded that, we had a couple of big news bombs drop, okay? The podcast loves a good news bomb, and we had two last week, and off the top, that's what we're going to talk about. It involved the Las Vegas Raiders, the hometown St. Louis Cardinals, and we're going to hit on those first and second, and of course, get to the NFL games, where the Dallas Cowboys, you know, I'm coming away thinking that this is a team... This is a team that I thought would be good. I think we're realizing it's going to be even better than good. It's going to be special. And I'm going to touch on why I think they're the team to beat in the NFC. And then Aaron Rodgers, he's like 10-1 and against the Chicago Bears. Definitely want to touch on his comments after the touchdown in which his Packers beat the Bears by 10 points only. Definitely just a, another example of Aaron Rodgers and, and how he views himself amongst his peers and and really just the NFL world altogether. So we're going to touch on that. It's episode 58 of the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. All right. We're going to definitely touch on off the top here, John Gruden out as the Raiders coach. I actually put out a podcast last Monday evening. always do this in the PM right before the Monday night football game. So um, I actually recorded in regards to Gruden and the week five review of the NFL last Monday. And then I wrapped that up, uploaded, went to the couch to check out Monday Night Football. Actually got some food as well. Miss Taylor uh, really just being becoming a pro in the kitchen. And Mondays, that's usually our get back on track day. You know, over the weekend, we'll do some, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, I wouldn't say pig out, but we treat ourselves, a little pizza, uh, maybe some Mexican food, whatever, snacks. Monday, that's always chicken, vegetables, get back on it. So had that, checked out the Monday Night Football game. Get into about the second quarter, and John Gruden resigns. And you have Adam Schefter going live during the game saying that he has resigned as coach of the Raiders. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Gee, I mean, did we learn something new? Sure enough, 
there were a lot more emails out there. Holy smokes. I was recording or I had recorded about just the one singular email, had to go back and do some editing. We had a news bomb and here we are now. Raiders win the game against the Broncos and Davis, Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, finally comes out and talks about it, although he didn't really say much. And between last Monday and now, here on Monday the 18th, there's been a whole lot of media uproar over the fact that the NFL, with this Washington football team investigation, hasn't released the 650,000 emails that they have, uh, supposedly, from their investigation. In It's just stunning to me that the media continues to think that people care so much about this, that they're obsessed with Twitter. They are obsessed with the comments that people post and what their uh, colleagues post and what people in the industry post about just having this duty and responsibility to uh, social activists and just just being a, a, a beacon of light to how we should operate a society when really people just care about fucking football. They really do. And sometimes in the NFL, like other industries, you have shitbag individuals that say shitbag things in emails and say words that they sh- shouldn't say. And that was the case here with Gruden. John Gruden, Exactly what happened last Monday is exactly what should have happened. So I'm definitely on board with that. But it's everything after that that I just cannot get over. You got Mike Sando of The Athletic, Lindsey Jones of The Athletic. You got the Kathleen girl whose job is literally to talk about social activism uh, on The Athletic and to, I think she does like New York Times or whatever. Mike Silver of NFL Network. These analysts and reporters feel so strongly, at least they tell you, that transparency is needed. Transparency is the word they keep using about the investigation with Washington football. We need transparency. Release the emails. You are hoping to God that those emails are just egregious, that there's people using this word, this four-letter word, this derogatory term. You are praying that you find something. You are praying for it because your lifeblood, your content depends on it. You are not disgusted by John Gruden. You are not disgusted about how this uh, affects hiring for head coaches in the NFL and for minorities and, and, and women. You don't give a damn. You hope this continues. You don't want change. This is exactly what you feed off of. News bomb. Monday night football, second quarter. Because guess what? If the game was the only thing relevant, you would have nothing to talk about. You would have nothing to gain an edge over with your competitors, whether it's your coworkers, someone at another network, what have you. You love this. Stop trying to tell me that you want this for the good of the people. This is what the people are telling you. Because even if you do believe it, I, again, I don't think you do, the people that you're uh, bridging the, the the content for, the conduit that you are for, the public, the common man, they really don't give a shit either. Because guess what? They also understand that there's people that they work alongside using words that they shouldn't use. And they themselves probably have used words that they shouldn't use. Again, it's not okay. You shouldn't say those things. But guess what? The NFL is exactly like every other industry. You got people that make a shit ton of money, millions of dollars, and they think, I'm not going to use the word invincible, but they think they can get away with stuff that ultimately they cannot. 
I, I'm sick of the media here in 2021 trying to act like the NFL has to be something more than football games. Mark Davis, he his first comments were this Monday after the Raiders beat the Broncos. And you know what he said? We stand for inclusion. That's why John Gruden is no longer the head coach of the Raiders. That's all I have to say. With me, I'm good. Yeah, that's, that's all I need to know. You got rid of him, whether it was you fired or he came in and resigned. I really don't need to know anything else. If I was the NFL... I would say kick rocks. We're not showing it to you. Oh, you don't like it? Don't watch our games. Oh, yeah, you will watch our games because you're addicted to our games. There are people that sit down nine hours a day on Sunday and watch football. So guess what? Unless you plan on changing that, I'm not uncovering the fucking emails. That's what it, that's what I would say if I'm Roger Goodell, and that's exactly what he's doing. People waste so much breath over this, acting as if the NFL needs to be uh, just you know charging forward uh, ahead of society. No, society shows that we don't give a shit. We're still going to watch football. Again, it's not okay. He should have said it. He should have been canned. That's exactly what happened. We move on. But the NFL is no different than the rest of the industries that I'm in, that you're in. You have awful people. You have people that say wrong things and they are held accountable. And that's what happened here. We don't have to extrapolate and say, oh, well, th- this must be why so-and-so can't get a job in the NFL. No, no, I don't think so. I-, I don't think so. Because last time I checked, no one ever hands over their personal email when going for a job. What do you expect here? He Mark Davis to vet an email account? Like, I mean, what's he going to do? Get, like, private investigators um, to watch John Gruden before he hires him? No, it's just like anything. You search around, you got a background, you like what you hear on this guy, you bring him into an interview, and then you sell that person on what you have to offer. John Gruden, in this case, to Mark Davis. It's that simple. Stop acting like the NFL has some problem that is uh, uh, you know, unique to them and them only. It's not the case. I, 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 have, I have grown exhausted with this conversation. The NFL needs to, or the media needs to just pipe down on this whole thing because the NFL is no different than the rest of society. Okay, also big news out of St. Louis, the another news bomb. I swear we're going to get to some actual stuff on the field. Um, I, I, I love a good news bomb, and we had a couple this week. Monday, it was Gruden getting fired. St. Louis Cardinals fired their manager, Mike Schilt. And, you know, I watched the entirety of, of that news conference, the impromptu Zoom meeting with Bill DeWitt, uh, John Zaylock. Uh, I guess that was the only two for the yeah, only two for the Cardinals. There, you, you would have thought they were announcing a contract extension for Mike Schilt. Instead, it was a firing of the three-year manager, three-plus year, including the 18 season in which he took over for Mike Matheny. Philosophical change is what they said, uh, John Zaylock and Bill DeWitt, and. I mean, you hold the news conference because that's what you have to do, and you give the media the opportunity to ask their questions, but they absolutely gave zero as to why this happened. And it, unfortunately, also fortunately, because you know it's fun to chat about, you don't know why Schiltz was fired. Philosophical change. Okay, you either can A, take it as truth that it was philosophy, or two, it was something else, something just you know completely unrelated to baseball that maybe Mike Schiltz said, or, I mean, probably, you know, maybe he's a drunk. Like, remember that NHL coach? Uh, he, you know, he had a drinking problem and they said, oh, yeah, personal issue. Like, he's not coaching the team anymore. Maybe, maybe could be something like that. Again, got nothing 
I know people in the St. Louis media. I got nothing on this. I'm just saying you can either take it at face value, philosophical change, or it's something completely different. Now, if it's philosophical, there's been a couple of things thrown out there. Jeff Albert, the hitting coach, he has become a you know an issue between manager, Schilt, and players. Players love him, I guess. Players love his approach. They think they really have been, or he has been really helping them. And maybe that is true with the way the second half, or at least the last six weeks of the season went. Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, those guys had breakouts during that time period. Obviously, Arenado, Goldschmidt, career, um, legacy hitters, okay, they're they're excellent. But Bader, Tyler O'Neill, those guys really had, you know, rejuvenated. They took their game to another level. So, I mean, if you're John Mazalak, are you pretty much saying, well, okay, we got this hitting coach that we really believe in. We love his approach. We love how he did in the development side of things. And now we got manager Mike Schilt, who's been in the organization for 13 years. I think it was since 2003. And he, he's just not on board with it. Well, you kind of go with what's working, right? If the hitting coach is a guy that the hitters like and they respect him and we're hitting well finally, yeah, see you, Schilt. <laughs> I mean, bye, later. I'll find another manager who can get on board with this because we won and we were rejuvenated because of the hitting. Now, that that's if you believe that. Number two, if it's really an analytics thing, which I don't believe it for a second that it's, oh, he's more old school and doesn't believe in the approach of the pitching staff. Mike Schilt has always been very receptive to the advanced way of doing things. He has been taking guys out far too soon, in my opinion, as far as starting pitchers. And what I've seen thrown out there via the Athletic and uh, DannyMac.com and SCL Today is that they want a more modern-day approach to the pitching staff, much like how the Rays use it, which is blasphemy if it's specific towards the Rays because nobody should operate like the Rays. Only the Rays should operate like the Rays when you have the payroll tamper down to what they do. But if it's about pitching in modern times, I don't believe that. Mike Schilt has been pretty receptive to that. He's been using guys in a more modern day way. That's not, you know, circa 2005 or even 2010 for that matter. I now, now he got a little, you know, he had his trio, Cabrera, Reyes, and, um, and uh, oh gosh, his name's escaped me. He was using the three relievers early on with the Cardinals, but he, he got better as time went along. He used McFarlane, he used Garcia, as he realized he had more arms down there in the pen that he could go to to get guys out, seventh, eighth, and ninth. So, I really have a hard time understanding that. And to me, personally, I think it's just way too big of an umbrella that the media gives us. Oh, well, he he wasn't receptive to analytics. What does that mean? Like, it, analytics have been around since, you know, fucking 2000. Moneyball was 2001 or 2002. We actually get some new wave of information that, that people are using. It, it's been going on for like 20 years. And if you want to talk about on the most intensive level, it's even been like eight or nine years. So th- this idea that managers aren't using the information, bullshit. They've been using it forever. Every department in Major League Baseball has an R&D that's at minimum pretty high level. Okay, so they're not having managers in the dugout who are just eschewing that information. They're using it. I don't believe for a second that analytics are the issue. But the former, as far as what I mentioned, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense anyway because Mike Schilt's been receptive to it. So overall, do I think the Cardinals lost anything here with Mike Schilt? Not really. Not really. I was, I was talking to a pal. Um, we were in 2018 when he was 
on the interim tag managing the Cardinals. I remember when they announced the extension, I thought, whoa, yeah, I mean, that's a little quick, really. I mean, like, can we not like let him play out the season here and see, see what happens? Ultimately, I think it was a fine extension. I don't know if they missed out on anyone necessarily between now and then that, you know, the Cardinals wish they probably had. Plus, they went to the postseason 2019, also in 2020 in the abbreviated year, and, and, and of course in 2020. So, you know, it's not doing a bad job. Do I think he's the classic, you know, placeholder manager, though? Yeah, absolutely. So I think as far as next candidates, a guy that I've always wanted to see in the news as someone that might be interested and being a manager and would be a good candidate is Mark Pryor. Mark Pryor of the Dodgers, uh, pitching coach, done a fabulous job there. I, I don't know if he's really a guy that wants to be a manager. Maybe he likes being a, a pitching coach and that will be his career, but I would like to see him get interviewed. I used to love Hensley Mullins as a candidate for the Cardinals. Not anymore. Guy uh, would probably be best with veterans. This is not a veteran team. And you, you probably do want to go with someone who's more well-versed and has been on a championship roster, whether it's the Astros, the Rays, the Red Sox, even the Yankees, you probably want to pluck somebody from there uh, to be the manager of this team. Um, the, the tough thing is, is you don't know always who those candidates are. They, they always pop up shortly before the hiring process. They pop up, they go into the interview, next thing you know, <laughs> they're the manager of your team. So I think Mark Pryor is a good one. As far as guys that have managed before, I like Bruce Bochy. Obviously, he's been fantastic with those San Francisco Pens in the 2010, 12, 14 championship teams. He was magnificent. Um, I think guys who have not been a manager yet, Joe Esperada of the Astros has been a name pop up. I also like the pitching coach of the of the Yankees, Blake. He's a good candidate, maybe. Um, again, it's it's hard to believe that would be a philosophical change. Um, it, it really could be something random. Could be something random. Did he did he like call Mo like an MFer? Like it, it doesn't make sense, and they're not really providing a whole lot of answers. Which could mean maybe they got someone like in the on deck circle. Maybe they realize, oh shoot, this guy's going to be available, or shoot, we really like this guy, or this guy get, got a glowing endorsement from so and so who we trust, and they said, yeah, see you, Mike. So. But we will see. But an absolute news bomb of a drop on Thursday. And here we are. It's October 18th. And St. Louis Cardinals, they need a new manager. So finally to the actual stuff on the field. Um, we had a, I know I always say it's a great NFL Sunday. Any Sunday with the NFL is great for me. Didn't think we had too many games that were like that noteworthy outside of the Dallas Cowboys, New England Patriots. That one was an overtime victory. We had an overtime victory in Seattle and Pittsburgh, but that was, eh, it was kind of a, you know, it was boring at the beginning, got kind of good, and then had an excellent finish. I was really watching the the NLCS, Dodgers, and Braves, but it caught my attention at the end. But the big game, Cowboys and Pats, I mean, I don't know how you don't come away thinking, wow, Dallas Cowboys, NFC favorites. I know we got Green Bay, and they, they beat Chicago, and we'll get to Aaron Rodgers here in a minute, but... You know, they're definitely a flawed team, Green Bay. I, you know, the 24-14 against the Bears, you would think they would at least put up, you know, four touchdowns against them. And you would think that it wouldn't take till the fourth quarter to pull away. But, you know, they've learned how to win in different ways. That's good of a great team. But you would still expect them to be firing on all cylinders six weeks through the year. And 
maybe one game they have, two games. I, I just and they were against shitty opponents. I would expect a more dominant performance against uh, some better teams through six weeks. So I mean, you can make the argument. I don't think so though. Arizona, there's still something fishy there. Okay, that yes, they won. They're six and zero. You can't really argue with that. But when you're facing Baker Mayfield, who's clearly hobbled and is clearly overrated, and then the other quarterbacks that they face, I give respect to you. You beat the Rams. You're not a bad team. You're definitely someone to be threatened with. I just don't know if you're the favorite necessarily just based off your record. I want to see, uh, I want to see more mid-season Cardinals. Okay, we're not even there yet. TJ Watt, after the Pittsburgh game, he noted, yeah, we played six games and we have 11 more to go. It's like mind-boggling when you hear it out loud. 11 more to go and you've played six games. Arizona, again, upon further review, I'm not ready to put you the favorites. And the Rams, uh, very good. They did lose to Arizona. They probably would be my favorites outside of the Cowboys. Um, And then Carolina, New Orleans, obviously, you're not giving it to them. So, I mean, when you just clearly see a team that's been just... At its best, it's like, holy smokes. I don't know if at its best, I, I don't like the Cowboys over the Rams or over Green Bay or Arizona. I, I think they're that good because just look at the star power that they have. Okay? C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, uh, uh, Michael Gallup. He, he's hurt. But Cedric Wilson is another guy who's been getting a lot of targets and a lot of targets on like third downs. I tweeted out yesterday. For whatever reason, Dak Prescott, when he needs a gotta have it down, a money down, we gotta make this play right now in this game. This is key. This is pivotal. He looks toward number one, Cedric Wilson. <laughs> like you think, wait, who's that? Is that Amari? Did he did he change his number? You no, know, he was like eighty two, and then he was, you know, eleven one. No, no, it's Cedric Wilson. Like who's that? You look him up, and you're just like, geez, this guy just keeps making big catches. They got big star power on offense. And that's not even getting to the offensive line that's healthy now. Lyle Collins, he's back from his uh, suspension where he tried to bribe the drug tester. But you also got a healthy Tyrone Smith. You got a healthy Zach Martin. And then the Connor Mc, uh, the Connor McGovern guys playing uh, good ball at left guard. I mean, like they got this is back to the 2016 offensive line as far as talent. They're playing really well up front in the trenches. And Dak's getting protected. And this guy is throwing with conviction. And you just look at this offense and how it's being complemented with Dan Quinn. I thought at the beginning of the year, Dan Quinn coming in was going to simplify things. He has. He's running a new defensive scheme. I thought it was going to be with the cover three just because that's what he's always always ran. He's running like more cover two and like a lot of two man. And the defense is taking the ball away. Like Trevon Diggs, say what you want about interceptions and those kind of being fluky. He's getting the ball. I mean... (laughs) He's gotten the ball, you know, six times through through six games. It's it's magic. He's he's returned two for touchdowns. It's Deion Sanders wearing number seven for Dallas again. Uh, th- this is just complete when we're talking at its peak. Dallas, I think, is the team to beat in the NFC. And you know, a year ago, I think a lot of people were laughing at the idea that Mike McCarthy was a good head coach and that he should continue to be the head coach of the Cowboys in in twenty twenty one. I never really bought into that because when you have your left tackle hurt, then your right tackle gets hurt, your right guard are all out, and then, oh, all of a sudden the Cowboys quarterback is injured. This is in 2020. It's kind of hard to come back from that. And also there was this thing called COVID last year Mike McCarthy had to deal with. It's kind of like, hey, guys, can we pump the brakes on firing people? Like, I'm not here to die on the hill of Mike McCarthy, 
Like, I, I think he has a place in this league, much like Jeff Fisher, John Fox, Gary Kubiak. Some of those guys have Super Bowl. Actually, all of them have Super Bowl appearances. Kubiak has a ring. These guys aren't like Hall of Fame level coaches. They're not even great head coaches. They have a place in this league, though. They know how they know how to run a program. They know how to get the program together. They know how to get guys on the same page, teach guys how to operate from the college level to the NFL level, how the meetings work, how the practice schedule works, how the game installation works. There's a lot of value in that. There's a reason those guys get jobs. It's not to be like necessarily some some great NFL coach. Like think about the Bears. John Fox was hired only to be fired because the GM came in and said, God, I got to stabilize this thing. I need someone that knows how to be an adult in the room, you hire John Fox, you hire Jeff Fisher, you hire Gary Kubiak. That's why those guys get jobs. And I think what we're seeing with Mike McCarthy, he's less Super Bowl winning coach, more, hey, I know how to run a program. I know I know how to be an NFL franchise head coach. Like, like there's value in that. Because you see a lot of these head coaches that are getting hired now who just know how to do play design and game calling. They have no idea how to actually run a program zero they got guys mouthing off on twitter they got guys crying that they don't get the ball they don't know how to play complimentary football and they lose the game in the last four minutes because they don't know what to do because they don't know how to properly prepare for sundays aka game installation aka prepping how to script uh, uh practices how to get guys into the meeting room to study that's all value that mike mccarthy's bringing so you know look i'm on board with it i think the cowboys definitely proved to me Patriots, Foxborough, Bill Belichick, they're the team to beat in the NFC. So the Green Bay Packers are now 5-1. They went into Soldier Field, beat the Chicago Bears. I watched uh, just about every snap of that football game. was, you know, an okay game. Bears hung around. Big takeaway with Chicago is they just really botched the whole preparation with Justin Fields. Like, you would think... Again, with how much they wanted to play him, it was clear preseason, first snaps, uh, or first game, the snaps that they were giving Justin Fields, clearly wanted to get him on the field. There was no preparation in getting the plays ready for him. And you look at this offense, it's the Andy Dalton offense. Justin Fields looks totally uncomfortable in it. You can tell he doesn't even know what the coverages are, what the defense is doing. He needs to go back to the bench. Because, you know, as much as you want to get him reps, he needs reps as well. But right now, he doesn't even know how to identify things in front of him. It's that bad. He needs to hit the film room study so that way he can be more comfortable in executing the limited number of plays that he probably can at this point in time. And um, unfortunately, you know, Nagy's throwing him out there. I think he just sees it as a lifeline to save his job because he's not going to continue to coach Chicago if Nick Foles is playing. He continued to say all summer long, after the spring when they drafted him into the early fall, everything's about the best decision for the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields. No, it's not. No, this is the best decision for you. And, hey, I get it. I mean, you're about to get canned. But ultimately, you know, at this point, I, I don't see how he improves, you know, uh, you know, with great stride without going to the bench. And that would be the best thing for him. But, you know, obviously he's not going to do that. But with, with uh, Aaron Rodgers beating the Bears, of course, he had the own you comments. And I think this is a classic example of fuel to the fire with Aaron. He, he, he gets so upset about the media. That was his thing with the training camp comments is that he said that the media likes to make things up. 
that the media stirs the pot. And he talks about clicks. He talks about views. And it's just like, Aaron, you're the one saying all this. You're providing the ammunition. And what did he say with the own you comments? He said, I own you. I own you. Again, it's, it's him. It's me. It's not the Packers. It's not we. How does Tom Brady always talk in a news conference? We need to be better. It starts with me. It starts right now with us. Aaron Rodgers is always talking about I, I, I. I have done this. I've won a couple MVPs. I should have a say in things that happen with my job. It's always about him. What, what do you expect the media to talk about when you're always talking about yourself? We're, we're going to talk about your thought process, your, your agenda, what you're trying to convey to us because you give it to us. You don't have to give this to us. I, I'm okay with a guy declining and being a, a, a public speak and you know just here to help the team win, just here so I don't get fined. I'm fine with that. If you want to do that, that's cool. But Aaron Rodgers seems to think that he can be brutally honest but then not get criticized. That's not how this works. Whatever you put out there, that's what we use because that's what we have to go off of. And again, this is another situation where the media, again, is – you know, they throw up that question because obviously you want to know what he meant by I own you or what was behind that. If it was scripted, if he saw something, he said he saw double birds from a fan at Soldier Field. And, and of course, they, they, they're just soft afterwards. Like they, they start laughing. I saw the video. They started laughing after he said he saw the double birds. It's like, no, press him on that. Press him on that question. Why were you doing that? But I mean, they, they think it's like funny. I, I, I think, again, Aaron has... Zero idea. Zero idea on this as far as why the media says the things that they do. You're providing the ammunition. You're handing it out. And, you know, the team's 5-1. and one, They're fine. But I think if he was a little more team-centric, a.k.a. Tom Brady, if he was focusing on their flaws instead of being so happy that they keep rattling off wins, Tom Brady, his season gets started in November. After Thanksgiving, that's when his season starts. Until it's perfection... That guy, had, that guy has an edge the entire time. Aaron Rodgers, it's about I, 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 and we just got the latest from it at Soldier Field. Appreciate everybody listening. Episode 58 of the podcast. A uh, lot of news bombs last week. Had me juiced, ready to go here this week. Mike Schilt, John Gruden, uh, and a- another solid week of NFL play. Didn't think it was that great. You had the Cowboys and you know, the Hawks going off, but... Uh, definitely seen better weeks, but tell your friends, tell your folks. We're going to be cranking them out every Monday after the NFL. Baseball continues to go on. We got Boston and uh, Houston out at Fenway Park here in about an hour. And, uh, you know, we're just going to keep rolling through October, one of the best sports months of the year. Got a lot going on each night, whether it's baseball, football, NHL has started. I know the Blues here in St. Louis, a uh, big night this past Saturday with them. And then, of course, the NBA. Uh, we'll be you know, kicking off here soon. So October, we're going to keep rocking through. I need you know, to let your friends know about Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, SoundCloud. We're on it all. Tell them to subscribe, review, five stars, share, leave a comment. Let me know what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. Uh, at me on social media, at Pete4C. That's everywhere. And uh, we're going to keep going. I appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Stay safe. Stay proud. We'll see you later.